0: You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 111. Today, I'm sitting down with Dr. Nicole Woodard and we're talking all about training mobility athletes. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Beverly Simpson What's up, coach? Thank you so much for pushing play on another episode of the PT Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Simpson, and today I'm sitting down with Dr. Nicole Woodard, and we're talking all about her journey as the founder of Mobility Athletes. So for over 10 years, Nicole has been a high-level physical therapist in sports and orthopedic clinics and obtained both her doctorate in physical therapy and orthopedic certified specialist. She is driven by her passion, which you will discover today by the end of this podcast. She takes pride in providing mobility training and results for her clients as Quickly as possible. She is a podcast host, blogger, published in Impact Magazine, and a sought after online physical therapist. She works with an incredible team of coaches and trainers to make mobility athletes the elite coaching experience and center that it is today, which she talks. All about her process and her method, how she got there inside of this podcast. This is a very special podcast. Her and I are both members of an incredible mastermind. Honestly, I love masterminds because it gets us the opportunity to connect with people who are just like us and going through experiences that are similar. This is exactly why I'm so grateful for my mastermind because it has brought me people like Nicole and I cannot wait to bring this episode to you. So without further ado, Let's roll that interview. What's up, Nicole? I'm so excited to have you on the show today. How are you doing?
1: Excellent. How are you? I'm so pumped. We have waited so long to do this and I'm just excited to be here for you and all of your lovely listeners.
0: I love that. I, it's so true. We've been talking about doing this since January and it's already October, practically. I can't believe it where does time go? (laughs) I know for real. Okay. So for those of you who have not yet been introduced to the amazing Nicole, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about who you are, who you serve and how you got there.
1: Awesome. Perfect. I'm Nicole Woodard. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I've been practicing for 11 years in the sports and orthopedic space. And I took my business, um, into a hybrid business model about five years ago. So, um, I serve, I call it a hybrid business because I serve two different junctions. I am online and I also do in person and I do wellness. And I also do formal rehabilitation. I believe that all of those things, um, pair the best together. So, um, who I serve is we help coaches develop the programs that they need to help their athletes take tightnesses and pains and training plateaus and turn that into training consistency and PRs um, and how they can actually do that and increase their revenue, which is pretty fun.
0: Okay, cool. So A, I want to talk about that, but B, real quick, can you just define what you mean when you say athletes? Because I feel like a lot of people use that term fluidly. So just a little specifically, like, are you serving like D1 athletes? Are we talking pro athletes? Are we talking about the mom who is an athlete coming from two moms right here, right now? (laughs) Um,
1: So I use the term very fluidly myself. So I believe an athlete is anyone that is training for a specific goal. So if you have something that you want to do, that could be a specific, I want to run a five K. Or it could be, I want to increase my strength so that I can play with my kids more. If you're working towards a specific goal and you are training with a specific plan in mind for that, you are an athlete to me. So, um, we train pro athletes all the way to general population. Um, I actually worked at a division one university for five years before, um, I worked solely in my business. So all of those things, and I believe that the pros get their purpose and strength from all of us moms out there, just trying to do our best to be able to pick up my 86 pound six-year-old. Yes. Um, he's gigantic. Um, (laughs) I have to train to be able to carry him whenever he gets hurt. Um, and I believe that the general population, us moms get so inspired by seeing these pro level athletes that are dedicating their life to their platform. Um, and I believe we all work together for true athlete identity. Oh, I love
0: that. I love that. Thank you for clarifying. Okay, so can you just go a little bit deeper, a little bit um, more on how y- how you create these programs and what are some of the things that you that you see your coaches struggle with?
1: The biggest thing that I see that was my pain point in physical therapy was this idea of um, time for money. And so that was the biggest issue that I saw first, that tends to be a pain point that shows up pretty strong. And then I saw it even bigger whenever I got into the fitness community, because I thought as a physical therapist, I wasn't making very much time to money (laughs) ratio. Um, But then you get into the fitness industry and it's half to a quarter of what I was bringing in as a physical therapist. And so that was kind of the first pain point which is obviously very self-serving, right? If we can increase our incomes, we can live better lives. We can provide for our families better. But then there's this other side of it where the people that are in fitness, the people that are in healthcare, they really want to give back to other people. They, they got into this industry because they wanted to make big changes and truly impact another individual. So money Although as a pain point, it wasn't the biggest driver. And so then I started to see, as I got into, um, I'm specifically in CrossFit triathlon and running spaces. And as I got into these spaces, I saw that I was missing something really, really, really big. And what I was missing was that the people that came to see me for hands-on manual style training, their plateaus still stayed. So they got a little bit better They were missing this big component of actually moving really well, training that and being consistent with it. And so I started piecing together and then found this other pain point in the fitness and in the healthcare industry. So in the fitness industry, it's how do we keep people training if they feel pain and tightness? And then in the healthcare industry, it's how do we actually impact these people's health And get them out of these pain tightness cycles. And I was like, Oh, perfect marriage. Like let's bring all these people together so that we can start creating true long-term change for clients. And as I dove into that, their research is just really clear on the impact that you can start making when you're pairing multiple different programs together to move people's movement forward.
0: I love that. So what is the process that I love that. So I would love for you to, you know, expand a little bit on some of that research that you've heard. And also to talk a little bit about, you know, what is the process? You know, what is the first step? Like, I feel like, you know, your brand and what you talk about is the mobility, right? So you specifically talk about like, what does that look like? How
1: are you combining that? How are you creating it? What's the first step? So we actually got. So I was um, on this panel uh, last week for a Q and A, and um, the question that I loved the most, I think, dives directly into that: is where is the line between a healthcare provider and a coach? And Mm, I'm like, such a good question. Yeah, so good. And that line is where your program creation starts. And for me, that line is testing. So coaches can go through movement testing. They can identify if something is painful and those coaches know, Hey, if that's painful, if that's a problem, like that's a big deal for me, I don't want you training on that. And then they can refer out, but when they refer out, how great is it when they contact me and they're like, Hey, I went through this movement testing. This is what I've gotten so far. I could just tell that there's definitely some limitations here. On the physical therapy side, we go through and we do testing, movement testing, as well as um, actual medical like pain provoking testing to figure out what's going on and what the best plan is. And with that, now we can mold together and from that testing, create a unique program for the people. I think the biggest thing that has happened is that we presume that people are lazy, that they're not going to do the things that we give them. So as a physical therapist, this was one of my biggest things that ticked me off. And it happens in the fitness industry too. My people don't do their home program. My people don't do the other work that I tell them to do outside of the gym. So they don't get better. Well, why don't they do it? That's your responsibility. So I always say three strikes. So um, for me, three strikes. And it's really about taking radical responsibility. So if you do the testing, now you have a buy-in point to be able to talk to that athlete and say, Hey, right now you're not able to do pull-ups because anything lifting your arms overhead is painful. So obviously we don't want to put your body weight overhead. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to refer you to get an evaluation with a physical therapist, with a chiropractor, with an athletic trainer, with an MD, whoever it might be that also promotes fitness and i'm going to keep you training here in the gym and we're going to do stuff at parallel and then you can start building these programs and now people buy in and they know okay when i can lift my arm overhead and it's not painful anymore i can start progressing back to pull ups and in order to do that i need to do these other steps and that's really where the program is built at is testing first and then diving into the movement pyramid which I can break down if you want me to. <laughs> yes, I do.
0: So, but real quick, before yes. we go into the movement pyramid, because I do want to talk about that, there's something that you said that is worth noting and expanding upon. Is this idea of a radical responsibility? I know you got a little like, oh my gosh, what's she gonna say? I was like, what is no, it? but it's <laughs> no, but it's this idea of radical responsibility because I really think it's a nuanced conversation because on the flip side, right? It's that, and a lot of people will fall into this trap and feeling like, okay, you know, I can't, you know, they take they take the burden of responsibility too far in the sense of like, you know what, I can't do your push-ups for you. I can't eat for you. I can't do your rehab program for you. You know, I can't, I can go to the grocery store with you, but I'm not swiping that credit card. Right. And there are those coaches that will hold on to their clients results so tightly to the point where they race to the bottom, like, okay, well, I'll just make my program cheaper. I'll just make my program cheaper. I'll just make my program cheaper, robbing their clients of, of their own responsibility of showing up for themselves. Right. But then on the flip side, which is what you're talking about, is that idea of like, it's not my fault. I just had them do 700 million things and they're not doing it (laughs) right. And they're not asking themselves those deeper questions of, you know, what's preventing someone from doing it and how can you make it simpler? So I'm curious in your opinion with your coaches, how do you, How do you find that line of responsibility for what the coach is responsible for and what the client is responsible for?
1: So it's really just asking questions. Um, There's a really great book um, called Ask More, Tell Less. It's actually a parenting book, but the people that authored that and then my mindset coach, um, Tyler Pazic, they just actually came together and wrote one for coaches. But so it's all about motivational interviewing from the beginning and then keeping that motivational interviewing throughout the process. And I have also a lot of times we take on responsibility for things. So we feel responsible for someone's results but we never have confrontational conversations about them. So instead we make assumptions that if my program was less, more people would come and do it. And then they would get better results because they would be able to afford what I offer. Or we make an assumption that if I did, okay, if I go to the grocery store and every week when I'm in the grocery store, if I videotape every single thing that I buy, then all my clients will go and they'll go to the grocery store and they'll copy me and they'll buy the exact same things. But you never had that conversation of, hey, Beverly, you are not meeting my expectation here. I was expecting you to go to the grocery store and buy these things to fit into your macros. And then that would lead to the results that you want. And the reason that you hired me as a coach, there's something missing here because we're not purchasing those things that we need to at the store in order to set us up for success. What's going on there? What barriers are you running into? And how do you think we could solve those? And then literally you just sit and you zip your mouth and you'll wait to see what they say. Um, And then you can start that from the beginning. So let's say that you came to me for um, your shoulder has been bothering you and You've done physical therapy. It got a little bit better. And now you're like, I want to get back into the gym and train. I don't know what the next step is. So as I talk to you, I would say, Hey, Beverly, like, what are some things that came up while you were in formal physical therapy, when they were giving you exercises and progressions that inhibited you from feeling confident to go back to the gym. And then you can start naming those off. Like, well, they really didn't know how to progress me back to the gym. Great. Here's my background. And here's why I feel comfortable progressing you back to the gym. What other barriers did you run into? Were you consistent with your home program? No, I really didn't. I didn't like the home program that they gave me. It was boring. It was a lot of band work. Okay. Um, if I give you some boring things, but I'm able to show you how it exactly ties into PRing your front squat, will that giving you the why? Do you think that that would push you to be able to stay consistent with me for the next like three to four weeks with these exercises? If they say yes, perfect. You have their buy-in and the expectation that if you share the why, they're ready to go forward. Um, But yeah, I think that biggest thing is if you want to take responsibility for someone's results, you also need to take responsibility for every step along the way of having confrontational conversations the minute that they're not meeting an expectation that you guys have set together. Because um, we learned this in NLP, which I know you know very well, but communication is judged by the results. So if someone does something that is outside of what you thought you communicated, that's your responsibility to figure out why Your communication led to that result. And when you start thinking about it that way, and I just have more open, honest conversations rather than judgmental conversations of just, Hey, like Beverly, we talked about how these banded exercises, would get you to a PR front squat, but I must've missed something. I thought whenever I explained the why that this would be enough, what else is missing here that I can help you kind of see how this is going to play into, or is there something we need to change in your schedule? Just talk to them. That's brilliant. And there's something too. you
0: know, this concept of starting with why, and I know that this comes from, you know, it also, I read the books from Simon start with why, but something that you said too, that I want to just highlight and clarify for people when they're talking about why, because there's a difference and it's the intention of the why behind the why. And what I mean by that is that a lot of people want to explain the why coming from a place of see how smart I am, which is self-focused. But what you talked about when you're mentioning the why is you tied the why to the outcome and the benefit for the client. And that's where the magic is. And I think that that is a misstep that a lot of people miss that they're like, I told the why, but you talked about the why from you, from your perspective and why it was important for you to show how smart you are, as opposed to this is the why for the client.
1: Which I love that, so powerful. If they came if they walked through the, your door and they let you work with them. They already think you're smart. You don't need yes. to prove it anymore. Like yeah. that, you it, it's done. Even if you're a physical therapist and you got a script from a doctor, they still walked through your door, which means a doctor recommended you, like they already are walking in with the assumption, the pre, the presupposition from NLP, (laughs) that's more smart. Like stop trying to prove it. That's your own insecurity. Um, they don't care. They, they already know that you're smart now keep showing them that you can get them the results that they want. That alone will show enough intelligence. You don't need to spout off research studies unless that's what that client needs in order to move forward. <laughs> yes, yeah, so
0: true, so good. Okay. So thank you for sharing on that. So I'd love for you to expand a little bit more on the movement, the movement pyramid, right? That's what you called it. Yes. yeah, okay, good. All right, great. go into that, please.
1: Okay, so those of you guys that are familiar um, or if want to look up. So functional movement systems and Gray Cook is one of the first people that talked about this movement pyramid. For me, testing is the way that you get into the movement pyramid and see how people are functioning in there. So testing first, testing always, always, always first, no matter what. And then the movement pyramid. So at the bottom, at the base of the foundation is, do people have the flexibility and in order to be able to move the way that they want? And by flexibility, what I'm talking about is, do they have the active? They can move it themselves and the passive. You can move them through the ability to demonstrate any movement whatsoever. So let's say like someone comes in and they say, I have tight hamstrings. Okay, great. Um, I'm sorry that you're feeling that way. Let's see what we can do to optimize that today. And I would run them through, maybe have them touch their toes. Okay. They can palm the ground. Um, I have them lay down on their back and lift their leg up to 90 degrees. Okay. They can lift it up to 90. I can lift it up to 90 They have the baseline flexibility that they need to be able to do so pyramid set one done, then we move up and we start looking at okay what is stability and um, those pieces look like so are they able to lift their leg against any sort of resistance how long can they hold their leg in the air? What does their core activation look like? Their core patterning while they're doing these things and can kind of look there. Maybe that's why they're feeling tight They're They have a lack of stability somewhere and they're getting the signal for protection. And then the next step up would be strength. So maybe they can demonstrate a full toe touch, but when we ask them to do a weighted Jefferson curl, you can see that they're pelvis doesn't tilt the way that they want it to so we could start training there and then we go up to the final level which is like more um sports performance and so you can kind of see depending on what parts that you're programming but at the bottom um is just do you have the basic ability to move through motions if you do not then it's de- deciding is this a joint is it a muscle problem or Is it a brain connection problem? Is something going on neurologically that's just blocking that signal from happening to demonstrate full movement? And then you can kind of go up. Okay. Now we have to look at stability, movement sequencing. How does that look? Then we build strength on top of that. And then we go into, okay, now hit the soccer field. I love that. How long does the process usually take? Um, So I usually within all of those pieces, once you kind of understand how it works, I can take people through all the way to the top of the pyramid really quickly. And usually most of our people are spending time in each of the sectors. Cause I hate, unless someone's really got a major problem, I do not take away all of their stuff from them. I will keep them engaged in their community, in their fitness community, while at the same time working on their flexibility, mobility, stability, and strength. It's just where do we spend the most time? So an example would be a mobility mess like me. So I consider that someone that actively and passively does not move well. And then when you watch them squat and do other things, you're like, oh, gosh. Okay. So mobility mess (laughs) is one of uh, kind of our titles that person is going to probably spend 70% of their time in the bottom part of the pyramid. They're going to be working Majority of the staff working on their general flexibility, joint mechanics, and just movement processes. And then they might spend another 10 ish percent in stability, another 10 percent in strength and another 10 percent up in their sports. Because if you take away like all my sports activity from me, I'm not very motivated to keep working on all this freaking flexibility stuff. And so it's about developing that whole thing through testing. So you can know how hard you can push somebody and it's still safe. Somebody else might be, let's say um, somebody that's really flexible, but then they're still having pain somewhere or they're still feeling tightness somewhere and you check them out. They might not need to spend any time down here in this bottom and this flexibility joint mechanics like that stuff looks pretty good, but they need to spend maybe 50% of their time in stability, maybe another 20% in strength. And then another 30%, keep them involved in the gym, keep them involved in things that they love safely. And so you can kind of see how you use the whole pyramid rather than just pieces and parts of it um, as you develop that sequence oh i love that so good okay
0: so i'm curious so now as you uh, first of all because you talked about yourself being a mobility mess can you talk a little bit about how that happened and how you got into physical therapy in the first place like how did did you just like i love
1: i love i'm a mobility mess
0: let me be a physical
1: therapist
0: (laughs) um
1: so my aunt is a physical therapist um and she is a physical therapist in new orleans she is the bomb.com guys like seriously if you um, <laughs> want to learn from anybody that's amazing i am just literally trying to follow in her footsteps but she is the highest level mckenzie certified um therapist that you can be she actually went and studied in scotland for i think 8 months um and then she also um works with goda style training so really 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 cool stuff if you guys want to see i think in the next 5 years goda is going to revolutionize the way that we train. So if you guys want to check that out, they do some really cool indigenous movement style stuff, but that's who inspired me. So my aunt um, was a physical therapist. What happened was we were on a family vacation. When I was in fifth grade, we did a family reunion every five years. My dad hurt his back, um, couldn't get out of bed. And uh, my aunt within 12 hours and a few exercises had him up and moving and enjoying vacation again. And
0: Yeah, it was crazy. That's like magic
1: hands right there. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, and then my dad has just had, um, he's, um, an athlete and he's had several issues over time with his um, neck. He also worked in the oil fields and then worked, um, in our refinery. So a lot of like hands-on, a lot of seated computer work too. Um, and so he ended up having neck problems and MRIs, multiple disc herniations in his neck, multiple disc herniations in his back. And he is, I don't know, 62 years old, I think now, um, and has never needed any surgical intervention has continued to run lift weights, um, every single day. And that's all through the gift, um, of movement that my aunt was able to give him. Um, and I was inspired. I wanted to be just like her and I didn't really realize my business. So what I have created here is because I'm a mobility mess. I used to, I was a cheerleader, I know, surprise, surprise, (laughs) and I used to have to go to practice um, 45 minutes to an hour early to stretch um, because my inflexibility held back everyone else. I did that for six years, six years, guys, of stretching four to five days a week, plus the stuff that we did in cheerleading, plus the stuff that I did in tumbling, and I was also a runner. Um, much better at running than cheerleading. Um, And I didn't find out till my third year in grad school. Thank God we had orthopedic um, teachers that were very, very high level. And they asked me to touch my toes. I was at my knees. And then he asked me to do a simple thing. So all I did was bend over. I pushed my palms of my hands down onto a chair and I just did 15 breaths, deep breaths. While I pushed the palms of my hands into my chair, I stepped back and I could palm the floor. I never was able to do that. And he said, you don't have a muscle joint problem. You have a neurological brain connecting to your body problem. And then I found the more I worked with athletes, the more I worked with people that 80, 90% of people were dealing with that same issue their body has completely disconnected from their brain. They stopped listening to signals from their brain to tell them how to move safely. And it just built and built and built. And so your body just literally like, think about turning a crank, like just got tighter and tighter and tighter until we were so safe and our brain could finally chill the flock out. Like it just relaxed. And so now you have to undo all that wiring And that's where I felt like it was my job to start helping people undo that wiring. Oh my gosh. That is so, oh my gosh, that is so
0: true and so powerful. So now this is just my intuitive step. I'm assuming that now you help your other coaches and physical therapists do the same so that they can do the same thing for their clients. Right. Right. Yeah. So I would love for you to expand a little bit on how you do that. And also a little bit to talk about, you know, what are some of the common misconceptions that coaches before they work with you are thinking about? Like, what are they, you know, what are some of the mistakes that people are making before they realize, oh, I just have them breathe. Life's going
1: to be better. Mm, yes. So let's talk about common misconceptions first, and then I'll go through the process. So common misconception number one would be that when you see someone move poorly in the gym, what do you tell them? Knees out, sit back more, get your chest Mm -hmm. up, drive your knees over your toes. Let's widen out your stance a little bit. Let's narrow your stance a little bit. And you just externally rotate. <laughs> oh yeah, it's even worse if you use like the medical terms, like, oh, like I would just like you to lift up and get a little bit more thoracic extension right now. <laughs> like, people have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> like it's crazy. And you talk, 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 talk. Sixty-five percent of people are visual learners, and their brain map is telling them that they are doing what you say. So automatically you're assuming that someone, one, either isn't doing what you're asking them to, or two, isn't capable of doing it. Thus, you either ignore them because you get ticked because you've told them a thousand times to lift their chest up or, and so you're just like, well, I've told them and they just don't do it. So you feel like, yeah, I'm going to stop telling them or two, you're like, oh, they didn't lift their chest up. So I bet it's because their pecs are so tight and they sit rounded all day. So I'm going to put them on a foam roll. I'm going to stretch out their pecs. And you make all these assumptions, assumptions without testing. <laughs> <laughs> and you're laughing because you know, <laughs> I know this is true. <laughs> like, And so you, you just assume, assume, assume. And, you know, and for the record, for the record, I just real quick,
0: right. I'm also laughing because a, not only do I know it's true, B I've done it and C, right. It's not your fault, right? No, your brain is specifically designed to help you automate and to make things faster for you. Efficiency. We're always looking for efficiency. So as a clinician and as a coach, you've probably done a hundred sessions. And so you're already, you know, you're making that neurological
1: connection. Like, oh, it's the same.
0: So it's not your fault, but it's, it's something to be aware of for sure. Okay. I'm sorry. Interrupted. I'm so glad
1: that you said that though, because it's not your fault. You've been taught that way. And also your experience has led you to believe those things. And that's why testing is so important. Like if you guys are missing that piece, it allows your own, um, oh gosh, now my mind's like literally blanking, but what's that called? Whenever you, um your own thoughts, like bias. Okay, so it's allowing your own bias to come in and affect the ability of someone else's body to get better. And when you think about that, that you're just allowing your bias to presume that that's gonna work for another human being that's like literally the most complex individual and in, we you can do a thousand research studies and none of them tell us how A person B and B person work. Um, that's why testing is so important. So testing, 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 testing. Um, and so that's the first thing. So step number one is those people need to visually see what you're talking about. Grab this handy dandy little phone that you have and videotape that person and say, Hey, in a kind way, Hey, Beverly, when I say chest up, this is what it's like still looking like. Here's the angle where I want it. Are you able to get into that position? Could you try for me really quickly? I'm going to take another picture and let's see if your brain can actually do that. If not, like let's run through some movement testing and see what's going on to prevent you from doing that. So visual, visual, visual.
0: I love that. And the other thing too, that you said that I think is really powerful and important. And when I was a new trainer, I used to make this mistake is that I'd always, you know, we have to continuously test. Like I would be like, Oh, okay. So I'm going to do your assessment. And then we would never revisit it. It'd be like, all right, I did. it. I checked that, you know, box off. And then like, let's go, right? It wasn't, and or maybe I would retest, you know, in that session, but then it wouldn't be like, okay, you know, three months down the line, you just get into a routine and you're like, okay, wait, no, but there was actually a reason. It wasn't just to check off the box. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) And I think once you get really comfortable with testing, it's easy to go through and test every single day. You literally can test while if you're a coach while people are warming up like Mm -hmm.
0: testing
1: can be the warm-up like you're like oh hey guys like let's go through like lay down on your stomach bend your knees to 90 all right stretch your quad, stretch your quad all right keep your knees at 90 let them fall out all right straighten one leg let it fall in all right straighten the other leg let it fall in oh guys across the board we got some hip rotation issues here all right let's grab the band let's do some um joint distraction here So you can actually test and it can be really fast once you get familiar with it. But like you said, we've been conditioned that and trained for years that this is how um, a training session or this is how a PT session is set up. And it has helped a lot of people, but it just hasn't helped them as quickly or to their maximum. And even if you're really good, so this is something, this is back to the radical responsibility, even if you're really good. I believe that I'm very good at my job. Injury rates continue to rise at a phenomenal rate. ACL retears are 56%. 56% of people after they tear their ACL will either tear their opposite side within a year or will re-tear that same ACL. Grade three osteoarthritis after an ACL reconstruction is 80 some percent of people and they looked at 18 to 20 year olds, 18 to 20 year olds within one year after an ACL reconstruction had grade three osteoarthritis. And if we think we're doing a good job, we're not, we are crazily missing things. Obesity rate continues to rise. They took out the squat, the deep squat as a shooting position in our military because it was no longer safe because not enough people could get into it. Like, that's crazy. Um, so, when we look at how our society is progressing as a whole, we as coaches and we as physical therapists are missing big, big, big parts. So, um, I think that's really where that can then the next misconception comes is that. You can both believe that you're really good at your job and also believe that you have a lot to learn. You can hold room for both. You can be confident and you can also know that you've got like a lot of growth to go and continue to seek out those resources. And I think that that's the like kind of the next misconception that goes into our program is number one, that you have to get continuing education hours. And then that that is the most important thing. Yes, you have to have them for your license and to maintain that. The problem is, is that there are a lot of people out there, myself included, who have invested eight dollars to $10,000 or more every single year to get CEUs and to become the best of the best of the best. My salary did not increase. So I was still struggling seeing 22 patients a day or hammering out coaches, hammering out sessions. You show up at 4 a.m. to start sessions and you end at 8 p.m. And your salary never changes, even though your education is going, that's why we want to teach what we deem mobility, which is just proper movement so that you can, you don't have to add any more clients. You can do the exact same thing that you're doing with them. You can make epic changes in their compliance and what they're doing by providing them testing when they're with you and online programming for all the other supplemental time that they're not with you so that they can move better, decrease their injury rates, get optimal outcomes. And then when they're with you, your sessions can be super, super, super dialed in and focused. Um, and your salary increases because you just took that same person. And now you've got a supplemental wellness online charge that you can add that is way, way, way less in like what they're getting their investment into that is microscopic, microscopic compared to the value that they're going to get from having that addition of you. That's awesome. Now, I'm
0: curious too, you know, and we've talked a lot about, we've talked a lot about motivational, you know, talking, you know, conversations yeah. and, and having those critical conversations. I'm curious and also taking radical responsibility, both for the client and for the, and for the coach. So I'm curious is that for you, when you're measuring results now, I'm not saying, um you know, and measuring outcomes, where is your line or, you know, that you recommend for your coach? coaches where you decide, okay, we need to actually, you know, make a shift here in our process versus trusting the process and just keep going. (laughs)
1: Um, so this is, um, something that I actually just recently talked to an athlete about when, um, we've gotten in this habit of saying that, Oh, in four to six weeks. So we need four to six weeks. That is tissue healing time. That's where that came from was they did biological studies on cells and regeneration and all those pieces. That's where that came from four to six weeks. If it's bony, it's eight to 10. Um, If you've got surgery, we give that a year because all those nerves have to regenerate all these pieces. But that doesn't mean that they're not getting any progress until that four week mark. So I am constantly changing things really every week. If they're not getting progress, progress needs to be subjective and it also needs to be objective. So you need to be asking them, Hey, do you feel like your goal was to be able to PR your front squat? How are your tempo holds feeling? How's weight feeling underneath it? How are your shoulders feeling? How's your back feeling? How's your hips feeling? All those pieces, ask them like they need to be participating and how they're feeling and get more in tune with their body. You also have to do objective measures. So someone is not going to subjectively feel better for a while, or if they're working on a PR, it might be a year before they hit that. But if you can say, Hey, your tempo holds used to be at 50% for three seconds, and now you can hold that 50% for. I don't know, six seconds of a tempo or whatever it might be. If you're looking at strength progressions or, Hey, we were looking at, you literally didn't have the hamstring flexibility to even start improving your squat. Now you can palm the ground every single day you come in and that's being maintained Now we can see how this progression is going to keep going, keep going, keep going. You can hold the bottom of the squat for five minutes. When you started, you were only able to hold for 15 seconds. Do you see how that's going to start transitioning to a PR that may be very far in the future?
0: That's good. That's really good. I love that. Okay, so
1: I want to be really mindful of your time.
0: So I don't want to take up too much of your time. So, you know, for those of you who want to, you know, learn more about you work with you, and find out, you know, just hang out with you more, where are the best places that I can send them
1: to? Um, absolutely. Best place is mobility athletes on Instagram. Um, and I answer all of my DMS myself. And if you follow and your account is public, I will always send you a message, um, to like, just kind of engage with you, see what things we can post that would be beneficial to you. The biggest waste of time is you guys to come hang out and get nothing of value. So you guys can, um, follow us on Instagram. Also, if you guys want to check out MobilityAthletes.com, you can see some of our test Testimonials, as well as other programs that we offer, and how to work with us. If you are an athlete specifically, um, you guys can check that out and come and do a one on one consultation with us. If you are a coach and you're interested in the coaching certification, same exact process come do a one-on-one consultation, look and see how what we call the mobility mastery method actually would work for you. So we'll go through all the steps because when I present people are like, Oh gosh, that was amazing. Got a lot out of it. I have even more questions than when I started, which I say is a really great thing because it means you're trying to integrate and understand, which means you're ready for change. Um, if that is how you're feeling, then set up, you get a free 30 minute appointment, literally just send me a DM, or you can register on our website and we'll go through all this mobility mastery method, testing to flexibility, to stability, to strength, to sports performance, and show you how that will work for you and how we find that through testing. So you can really start to understand how those pieces come together. I
0: love that. You know what else too is really important is that a lot of people will just, you know, they dismiss the fact that coaches are also athletes and that we also, you know, need to get supported, right? We also need to, there's, you know, I teach business and I absolutely have a business coach. I'm just a firm believer that we are in momentum and we're either in momentum moving forward or or in momentum going backwards. And so it's the people that stay on the cutting edge that get, that stay can you know that that really blow through the water and are successful so we'll definitely link all of that up Love in the it. show notes
1: so thank you so much
0: for pouring into us i really appreciate it Well, I appreciate
1: you. Thanks for having me on guys. Beverly is the bomb.com. She's getting ready to be on mobility athletes, um, radio, which is our podcast, really talking about business integration. So if you're here listening to her show for all the business stuff too, don't forget to come check out where we get to brag on her and all the cool epic stuff that she's doing for all the fitness and healthcare professionals out there, um, that are really looking to grow their business and profitability because the more money you make, the more impact you can make.